We are in week four of our We Are the Heathens series. It's been a powerful one. I believe that God is, is showing up in a real way. I hope the last couple of weeks have encouraged you guys and have brought you along in this journey that God, I believe, is trying to take all of us on, realizing that we're all sinners, right? We've all fallen short of the glory of God. And that doesn't mean that you're this horrible person. In fact, it just means that we need a savior, that, that all of us, if we're trying to do this on our own strength and our own will, we keep failing. We know that through so many of our relationships in our lives, right? You've had boyfriends or girlfriends or parents or teachers or bosses. The list can go on and on of people who aren't bad people they just fail. They end up being human. So we have to go beyond our human nature and we have to go to the creator of the universe who sends his son, Jesus, to save us. And speaking on this topic of Jesus, I want to I want to bring up our next heathen in this series. We're going to talk about John the Baptist. This is an interesting time in the Bible in which John the Baptist enters onto the scene. It's the exact same time that Jesus is coming around. And there's some unique opportunities for us to look at the life of John and see how we can start living our lives like him. Let's open up to Luke chapter 3 and we're going to read right here in verse 2. We're going to pick up a little bit into it and it goes like this. At this time, a message from God came to John, son of Zechariah. This is John the Baptist, who was living in the wilderness. Then John went from place to place on both sides of the Jordan River, preaching that people should be baptized to show that they had repented of their sins and turned to God to be forgiven. This is an interesting place that John sets up the beginning of his ministry. It's on a place called the Jordan River. And what makes this significant, if you were paying attention to a couple weeks ago, when Pastor Natalie spoke on Rahab, that Rahab is a part of the city of Jericho. And Jericho is the city in the land that God has promised his Israelite people, now known in the New Testament as the Jewish people. And so the, in order for them to come into the promised land, to take ownership and what God has promised in their lives, they have to cross this river called the Jordan River. And in the symbolism of John setting up his ministry right here, this is the, the body of water that, that John is going to baptize people in, is that he's saying the very thing that brought you back into your promise with God is now the thing that needs to cleanse you because you stepped away from it. Can that just be a word for somebody right now? You've been doing this whole Christian walk thing, and maybe you, you've fallen off. There, there's been some, some deconstruction. Maybe there's been some, some disbelief. Maybe there's been some hardship in your life that has caused you to question the truth and reality of God. And now you're looking to come back. And, and I just need to give this message to you right now. The goal isn't to start some brand new thing. In fact, the goal is to just come back to the original promise. John saying the thing that cleanses you, you who are listening right now, the thing in your life that you separated yourself from God, just go back to the beginning. Go back to crossing over into this promised land in your life. Amen. But John, John's an interesting preacher here. You guys got to let me know if you want me to incorporate this into our preaching. Because as the crowd start to gather, as he's starting to put that message out there, that, that cleansing can happen, that good and a new life with God can happen. He starts preaching like this. When the crowds came for John for baptism, he said, You brood of snakes, who warned you to flee the coming wrath? 
prove by the way that you live that you have repented of your sins and turned to God. Don't just say to each other, we're safe because we're, we're the descendants of Abraham. That means nothing. For I tell you, God can create children of Abraham from these very stones. Even now, the axe of God's judgment is poised, ready to sever the roots of trees. Yes, every tree that does not produce good fruit will be chopped down and thrown into the fire. <laughs> Pretty intense, right? But it's this type of preaching style, it's this kind of a aggression and confidence that, that John is bringing to the picture right here that, that I want to show us. What makes John different than some of the other heathens is over the last couple of weeks, we've talked about the misguided or, or, or the, the, the unqualified or dangerous people that God uses for his kingdom work. Uh, but for John, we're talking about a different type of person. He hasn't done anything wrong. He's not a bad guy. But when you look at his life, you would not consider him to be the type of person that God would use. He was homeless, lived in the wilderness, lived off of eating locusts and honey. He wore camel's hair, leather as his clothes, which was just so odd to the time in which they had other ways to dress. But at the same time, John is also the last prophet. He's the baptizer of the Messiah. He's the cousin of Jesus. So today, if you're taking notes, I want you to title today's message, Lost in Translation. Lost in Translation. Let's pray. Thank you, God, for what you are doing here at Dwell Church. God, the message that you're bringing us, the word, the fresh word from heaven that is feeding us right now. God, let it not just be a one hour feeding. Let it not just be the thing that satiates us for the rest of the day, but God, let it carry throughout the week, through the month, through the rest of our lives. Let this be a fresh word from heaven that speaks directly to us. God, for those of us coming in and listening today that we, we have something that has held us down, has bondaged us up and has left us with no hope. God, I pray today is a day of freedom for so many. Holy Spirit, we just ask you into this moment. We open our hearts, we open our minds, we open our spirits to what you want to say. We give this to you and in Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Uh, I hate being misunderstood. Anybody else like me? Like, like I hate when I, I feel like I'm being clear in my communication, but it's not coming across clear at all, especially as a preacher. I pride myself on being able to come up with messages and interpret God's word and bring it to you and show you a, a new understanding. But man, when I feel misunderstood, there's nothing more frustrating than that. There's nothing that tests my frustration, my misunderstanding, right, than trying to get people to help me move in and out of a house. Anybody with me? Like, there's nothing like trying to carry a 200 pound couch through like a door frame built in the 1930s to really test your communication abilities with people, right? And it's like that old scene from Friends where they're carrying a couch and he's going, pivot, pivot, like, like left, right, like I'm backwards, you're walking, like somebody just help us move right here. Or, or whenever you're labeling boxes and you're trying to move them into the house and the, I write down on the boxes, like I like going like bedroom one, bedroom two, bedroom three. But for some reason that's confusing for people. But if you were to look down a hallway and there's three bedrooms on it, which one would we consider bedroom one? Now, some of you are like, well, the master bedroom is bedroom one. No, it's just the first bedroom down the hallway, right? Come on, people. It's not that hard. 
Okay. How about loading the moving truck? Man, I have lost friendships over loading a moving truck because people, there is a right way to do this. Okay. You do heavy things in the back and then you put lighter things on top of those heavy things in order to stack it. Then you put boxes in there, starting with heavy boxes on the bottom with lighter boxes on top. And then you follow it up with awkward shape items like your lawnmower or your outdoor furniture or that rocking chair that doesn't break down. And that fills the empty space towards the front of the truck. Come on, people. There is a right way to do this. But man, this misunderstanding, man, this, this time, you, there's nothing like feeling like you are just completely different languages. Like you're speaking two completely different things. Uh, they, they call this term lost in translation. Have you heard that phrase before? It's to describe when people who speak two different languages are trying to communicate to each other, but just missing each other. Because sometimes the word that one person is saying, as it translates into another person's language, it doesn't mean the exact same thing. Uh, here's an example. Mercedes-Benz, when they started uh, slow, you know, putting marketing out in China, they, they took the word Benz and put it into Pensy. And, and this wasn't a problem until somebody realized that that word, unfortunately, in Mandarin means rush to die which is not a great slogan for a car company. Or, or how about this? There, uh, a company called Parker Pen Company. They had a great slogan and in English marketing. It said, won't leak in your pocket and embarrass you. It won't leak in your pocket and embarrass you. But as it translated to Spanish, they used the wrong word for embarrass. And when it comes out in Spanish, it looked like it won't leak in your pocket or make you pregnant. <laughs> it's this loss in translation. And, and at times, the, the Christian culture in a secular culture, meaning the culture that doesn't follow the morals or values of a Christian religion or relationship, it often feels like two different languages, right? Because as Christians, we can read scripture and then quote it and say things like, it is for freedom that you have been set free. And to the secular culture, the lost in translation, that word free means I can do whatever I want, whenever I want, however I want. And, and so we go, that's not the intention. I think we're missing each other. How about this? The, uh, the often misinterpreted passage of Matthew chapter 7, verse 1, only God can judge me, which when translated into the secular world means then I can't judge, I can't comment, I can't have any negative effects on the behaviors that you have that might be hurting you, right? And so it's in this lost in translation that we, we end up not wanting to be conf like confused or misunderstood. And, and here's what I'm seeing. In order for us to avoid the trappings of misunderstanding, we all too often just remain silent. Uh, we settle for this idea. You cannot misunderstand what I did not say. And, and here's the thing I, I need us to catch on this morning is that if you're going to do anything great for the kingdom of God, you have to get comfortable with being misunderstood. 
just look at the ministry here of Dwell Church. Uh, the, the, a couple of weeks ago, I sat down with a, a, a large church here in Omaha, Nebraska, and I was telling him about Dwell Church. I was bragging about you guys on, on how we're a church for all people and that we do a lot of work in order to make sure that that's not just a saying. We don't just say everyone's welcome. We really mean it. Every single person is welcome. You are welcome to hear the gospel message of Jesus. We do so much work. And his question to me after talking about that is, Eric, aren't you worried that other Christians, other churches are not going to approve of the way in which you guys are doing this? Do you want to know my answer? Absolutely. I am worried about that. But here's the thing that Pastor Natalie and I committed to is that we were not going to be the perfect church. And we were not going to be the church that claimed that we knew all the answers or we had it all together. But we were going to be the church that helped people that needed help. And that means that we're going to have to do risky things. We're going to have to do stuff that might look confusing to people who thought they agreed with us. It's might going to look weird for people who even disagreed with us because they're going to start agreeing with us. I mean, Dwell Church, if you look at any comment section here online or you just kind of hear about churches in general, like we're not making friends with both Christians and non-Christians. Like we got people on all sides saying you're not doing it right. But here's the thing. I don't want to worry about doing it right in someone else's eyes. The, the question that Pastor Natalie and myself are often asking ourselves is, would you rather be understood or effective? John is not understood by many, but he is effective to many. Your effectiveness in so many areas of your life will be held back by the question of being understood or being effective. The vast majority of us, we desire to be understood. And in fact, it's one of our qualifiers for a partner in life, whether that's a spouse or, or a friendship or any other type of relationship in your lives. We, we desire that this person close to us understands us. But after 11 years of marriage, let me just get something out for, for somebody here. Let me just shatter some glass here. I've known my wife for 11 years and I still don't understand her. And that's not from a lack of trying. That's just my wife is always changing like me, that we are always growing and my understanding of her is always changing. But should that stop me from being her husband? Should that stop me from asking questions? Should that stop me from being loving? You see, my effectiveness will be stopped if I'm just trying to be understood or understand. But in so many cases, our effectiveness is frozen because our potential is only our understanding. Uh, look at it this way. Jesus describes people understanding himself and John in Luke chapter 7. Jesus says this. He goes, for John the Baptist didn't spend his time eating bread or drinking wine. And you say he's possessed by a demon. The son of man, on the other hand, feasts and drinks. And you say he's a glutton and a drunkard and a friend of tax collectors and other sinners but wisdom is shown to be right by the lives of those who follow it. I, I need us to get this right here. If people misunderstood Jesus, then a sign that you follow Jesus is that people will misunderstand you. This is the Christian life. It has to be different. It has to look different. Why? Because if people look at you and my life, 
and nothing is different from each other, then why should they change? Why do you change? Why should we spend our Sunday mornings together? Why should we listen to this? Why should we read the Bible? Why should we invest into the kingdom and the church that God wants to build? Unless it's something different. It's going to look different to people, and that is what makes this journey that we're on so unique. Uh, Paul in 1 Corinthians puts it this way. He goes, remember, dear brothers and sisters, that few of you were wise in the world's eyes or powerful or wealthy when God called you. Instead, God chose things that the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they are wise. And he chose things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. God chose things despised by this world, things counted as nothing at all, and used them to bring to nothing what the world considers important. Uh, are we seeing the theme here in our, our series, We Are the Heathens, that God is taking the unqualified, the unusable, the undesirable, the misunderstood outcast people and is doing something amazing with it. Man, if you feel misunderstood, get ready for a blessing. If you feel like you are on this journey, that you're doing the thing that God called you to do, and others around you are not getting it, man, you got it. This is exactly what we're supposed to be doing. And this is the thing that makes John different than the other heathens we talked about. You see, Samson was willfully ignorant and Rahab was foreign to God's ways. Paul was egotistical and arrogant, but John understood his purpose. Let me put it all this way. The more confident I am in what God says about me, the more I'm okay with people misunderstanding me. There's nothing like the word from God on the purpose of your life to feel refreshed, to feel empowered in this next season. And this could be the thing that's holding back your effectiveness in life. If we all understood truly what God thought of us, what would you actually do? We, we've posed that question here at Dwell Church before. If you knew that whatever you were about to walk into, God had already granted victory in your life, what would you go do? Would you chase after that job? Would you start that business? Would you go after that relationship? Would you do the thing that you wish you could always do, that God is empowering you in this season? The simple confidence in John's life, the simple confidence in a Christ follower's life is this, we are going to win. What's that big thing in front of you right now that's blocking your way, that's blocking your vision of God? I guarantee it's not as big as our God. I don't care if you're David facing a giant, if you're Daniel looking down the teeth of a lion, or if you're Nehemiah looking to rebuild the walls of an entire city, we are going to win in this life or the next. But let's pump the brakes because we can fall into a trap the enemy is setting. In our effort to be confident, we lose track of what we're confident in. Confidence is great, but what you're confident in matters. When you're walking across the bridge, are you confident in the maker of the bridge or are you confident in your ability to walk across bridges? You see, one is confident in the designer's strength and one is confident in themselves. I, I found that there's two people in this world. There are people who say, here I am, and then there are people who say, there you are. 
we know the here I am person, right? As the old saying goes, if you don't know that person, you're actually probably the person, right? That that person, they walk into a room and the temperature shifts. Maybe it shifts in a negative way where it's imposing and we're all waiting to see what's going to go wrong. Maybe that was a mom or dad or boss or teacher or, or just a bad friend in your life that the temperature moved and we all waited to see what was going to happen. Or, or maybe there's that person that walks in the room and it lifts the spirit of the room. They're the party person, man. The party didn't happen until they showed up. You know, it's that good friend in your life that brings energy and joy. And so we all have people, we know these people, or maybe this is who we are right now, that when we walk into places, it changes something in the room. And there's a confidence with that type of person that they can do what they want to do, that they are going to win. And the abuse of this confidence is to say, I deserve it. Point it towards me. People should shift when I'm angry. People should shift when I'm happy. And, and, and so we abuse this power. And instead of doing exactly what God is calling us to do, but then there are people like John who in all accounts, because of his outcast lifestyle and off-putting appearance, his abrasive language, he could be the exact person of here I am. He doesn't have to be in a room. He's just standing in a river and he can point towards himself. In fact, people try to tempt him with this when they start looking at John and they're going, John, are you the Messiah? Are you Jesus? Are you the savior that we've been looking for? But let's look at what John responds, because instead of going, here I am, he starts pointing back to Jesus. Look in Luke chapter three, everyone was expecting the Messiah to come soon, and they were eager to know whether John might be the Messiah. John answered their questions by saying, I baptize you with water, but someone is coming soon. There they are. Who is greater than I am so much greater than I'm not even worthy to be his slave and untie the straps of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Let me wrap up today's message with this. As Christians, as followers of Christ, you are meant to stand out. And when I say stand out, I'm not talking about standing on a street corner, holding a sign, telling people to turn or burn. Uh, that's a complete misunderstanding of standing out. No, no, you are called to live radically different. Uh, Paul calls this living in the world, but not of the world. You see, when your car or your AC breaks and you're looking at the bank account and it doesn't look like you're going to be able to fix or replace this, our call is to not worry in the same way that other people worry. For some of us, we're facing incredible financial hardship or personal hardship in our lives. And at least I've heard this message before that if you worry or you don't have faith, that it's a sign that you don't understand Jesus. No, no, there's plenty of people around Jesus, including John, who question what Jesus is doing in their lives. And there's times in the Bible in which John is in prison and he's captured and he's left there and he has a couple of his disciples come to him and say, John, is there anything you want us to say to this man who is healing, this man Jesus that you baptized? And John's response to him is, go ask him if he's the real Messiah because I'm here in prison. 
I'm here locked up. I don't know what is about to happen, and I'd rather not be in prison in this season. I, I don't know what the prison looks like for you in this season, but let me tell you, if John the Baptist, the man who proclaimed Jesus' coming, had these moments of question in his life where he's going, is this real? Then it's okay to bring that to Jesus too. The disciples bring it to Jesus and Jesus' response is this, I am who you say I am. The confidence is, okay, John, I'm sorry. I, I, I don't want you to doubt me. I'll fix the problem real quick. The confidence that Jesus gives us is that I am the one worth pointing your life towards. Whether you're gonna win in this life or the next, we are going to win. Where is your confidence placed, people of Dwell Church? Where are you putting your self-confidence in? Is it the God who designed you and made you, who set you up in this season? Even though it's hard, he has not forgotten or abandoned you. In fact, he has empowered you for this very moment. But how will you live? How will you choose to follow him? Will your actions of being a Christ follower deter people away from what God is trying to do? The life of John the Baptist was constantly and consistently pointing towards the Messiah coming to save him, coming to save our lives. Although it may be tempting to point towards your own self-confidence as the solution for any problems or behaviors, can we just decide right now that our answer to the good and the bad in our lives is there he is. There is our God who has not left me and who is with me. Here's the big lesson that we can learn today from John the Baptist. The question I want us all to evaluate is the life you are leading pointing to or away from God. Let's pray. God, I thank you for this message. I thank you that you brought it to us in a timely season where the weight and the heaviness of the world, the difficulties of this world weigh on us and Quite frankly, they worry us. It hurts us. God, those of us experiencing intense anxiety and pains, God, those of us experiencing incredible hardships, both financial and physical, God, we feel it. We feel this all around us. And God, if we can be honest, if I can be honest even in my own prayer, God, sometimes my confidence in the maker feels shaky. God, we could see from your servant, John the Baptist, that there is another way. There is another possibility. And God, you've called us to live a different way. So today, no matter what we're facing, God, we put our confidence and our hope in you. God, we know that when we side with the creator, the designer, the maker of us and the rest of this world, we are going to win. God, we give this to you. We love you. And in Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Hey, we love you guys. It's been amazing to be with you here online this Sunday. We'd love to see you in person. Make sure you make it out to groups. We'll see you next week.